And God has given his word to us as we've already talked about this morning and now it's time to focus on that word and we're continuing our study in the book of Romans and our selections today are from uh, Romans 14 and from Romans 15. And could I get you to rise while we read God's word? As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions or disputable issues. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The word of the Lord. Join me in prayer. Father, these are your words and this is your truth and we thank you for it. I pray that you would attend Pastor Andrew this morning as he reveals this truth to us and explains this scripture and may it find room in our hearts to take root, to grow, and to bear fruit. And Lord, we pray that you, the God of endurance and encouragement, may grant us to live in such harmony with one another 
in accord with Christ, that together we with one voice may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of different groups in my life, uh, you know, groups with kids and church and family and all, all sorts of things, and uh, I don't always agree with everybody in all those groups, and those groups don't necessarily agree with one another, and uh, it's just not the, the one voice uh, sort of experience in terms of my life. Uh, we disagree on how to handle the pandemic. Uh, we disagree on, on various issues of politics. We disagree on how to attack a zone defense. We disagree on lots of different things. Um, so how do we live with people that we disagree with on, particularly uh, people within the family of God, particularly uh, when we disagree with things that aren't necessarily matters of, uh, that are, are absolutely crucial to our identity in Christ. This is what Paul is dealing with here in Romans 14, so, and, and, and then also into 15. You can see that Romans 14.1, uh, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Romans 15.7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. We have what we call there an inclusio that sort of sets this up as a section uh, to deal with. We're going to deal with it this week and next week. Next week, Addison is going to take us uh, through the second sort of half of this. It's not really divided in half. Today I'm going to try to set some of the framework of understanding what Paul is saying and, and what it means. And then next week is a little bit more what is Paul saying about an individual's responsibility and, and how do we avoid hurting one another uh, very clearly. Um, this is a passage that was certainly relevant to the, the church in those days. I mean, remember, this was, and we've emphasized this from the beginning, Paul is writing to a group of Christians in Rome, Jews, Gentiles, slaves, free, aristocrats, poor. I mean, it was just a very diverse church, and uh, they had different customs, they had different backgrounds, uh, and as they're coming together trying to own their identity in Christ, there are some significant disagreements over how that needs to be practiced and how that needs to be played out. These are not unimportant issues. I think that's something to, to just get out front right away. Uh, they might not be essential issues, but that doesn't mean that they're not important. Uh, they're important to our, our life. They're important to think about and to pray about and to have a clear conscience about, as we are going to see in just a minute. They're important issues, but they're not essential in the same way. So let's, let's kind of work through this this morning. The way that I've divided it, I, we'll, we'll talk about the categories, the strong and the weak. We'll talk about the call to welcome, to bear, and then we'll talk about the core, uh, what is at the heart of how we move forward. So the categories, the strong and the weak. Paul uses these categories here. Uh, we also see them in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 
1 Corinthians 8 is a section that is both like and unlike this section. I'll go into that in just a minute. Uh, but there are the principles of the strong and the weak. I find it interesting that Paul uses these terms. Uh, you know, there is sort of this value judgment, uh, especially when we talk about the strong or we talk about the weak. You know, there's, there's something about that. And actually, Paul doesn't avoid that. Uh, Paul, Paul is not here saying we just accept everybody, you know, one idea is as good as another. You know, Paul's not necessarily saying that. He's saying there is a journey in terms of our Christian faith, and, and we come to things in different ways and at different times. And that's what's important to recognize. What, what Paul is not saying with the strong and the weak is that there are there are good Christians and bad Christians, or there are, are good Christians and there are, uh, there are better Christians and there are worse Christians. That, that's not what he's saying with the strong and the weak. Here, especially in 14, he's talking to the church. He's talking to people who are all Christians. They're identified as Christ. They're brothers and sisters. He uses that language in verse 10. Uh, so he is, he is not talking about good, better, because that would get against the heart of the gospel, right? We're either in or we're out. Uh, we're, we're either saved by Christ, we're counted righteous in his sight, 100% holy. These were the truths of the Reformation. The Reformation came along and said, you know, you, you cannot earn, you cannot disqualify yourself from salvation. Salvation is a gift of God by faith, which itself was a gift. And, and that's what, uh, so Paul is not saying strong and weak with regards to that. What is he saying? He seems to be talking about our, our journey of discipleship, and, and there are people who more quickly grasp on to the fundamental essence of faith, namely that it is all of Christ, whereas other people, because of their conscience, because uh, of some uh, sensitivities that they have, have a harder time letting go of certain things. So, in this case, you see it has to do with Jewish dietary laws and, and holy day observances. You see that in verse 2 where uh, Paul says one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. That person will not eat meat. Uh, and uh, the specific reason is we don't know if it's kosher meat. So they, they would not eat that meat. Um, the one person, verse 5, esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. So what Paul is dealing with here in Rome is that the weak Christians were the ones who couldn't let go of the Jewish dietary laws, holy day observances. What's interesting about the 1 Corinthians 8 passage is that it's different. It's, it's alike and unlike. Uh, continuity, discontinuity, it's alike in the sense that he sets up these categories of strong and weak. They're both talking about food, but in 1 Corinthians 8, they're talking about meat sacrificed to idols. 
And what's interesting about that is more than likely in the first Corinthians passage in Corinth, the weak were the Gentile Christians because they had grown up worshiping idols, they had grown up with a sensitivity to that, and so when they were asked to eat meat sacrificed to idols, they, they really would stay against that. So the point is, is that you can be either strong or weak depending on the circumstance and depending on the issue. In Rome, it was the Jewish Christians who were considered weak, the Gentile Christians who didn't have a background with the Jewish dietary laws, the Jewish systems. They didn't, they were stronger in that area of discipleship. Whereas in Corinth, it was the opposite way around. It was the Gentile Christians who were very sensitive to idolatry, the Jewish folks who understood monotheism, who didn't have as much problem with idolatry, they were stronger. And, and that's one of the things that's really important about understanding this, because remember what Paul said, you know, again, this is all part of the same letter, the same teaching, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. And that goes back to Romans 13, 4. Uh, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Uh, we need to recognize that whatever the circumstance in our life, there is always the possibility that we could be strong in this particular situation or that we could be weak. Uh, we could see this area clearly uh, with, by God's grace, you know, given our own journey, our own background, or we could be seeing this area uh, incorrectly. Uh, we may have cultural blinders, we may have ethnic blinders, we may have gender blinders. There may be all sorts of things that may be causing us to not see this correctly. So when he sets up these categories of strong and weak, we can say several things. One, Paul is saying that there is something to strive for. There, there is an area of strength that we can move into. And it's always related to the gospel, understanding that 100% we are marked not by whether we eat this meat or we don't eat this meat, whether we observe this holy day or that holy day. We're not marked by those things. We're marked by the finished work of Christ. So Paul is saying that, but Paul is also reminding us that we need to hold ourselves humbly uh, so that we don't assume that we are always the strong and that we can then therefore bear with the weak. Here's, uh, here's how uh, Tim Keller sort of summarizes this. He says, the weak are any Christians who tend to promote and regard non-essential cultural and ceremonial customs as being critical for Christian maturity and effectiveness. For example, an older generation in a particular church might feel superior to the younger folks who dress more casually, like contemporary music in their worship. They do not deny that the younger people are Christians, but they could claim that their music displeases and offends the Lord, that their dress does, simply because it displeases and offends them. Thus, they have taken an issue of taste, custom, or culture and elevated it to an abiding transcultural mark of spiritual maturity. 
So hopefully that helps you sort of get this in mind. And, and I, you know, clearly there are lots of things that, that fall into this category as we're walking through our lives in this day. Again, how we, how we react to the pandemic, how, how the, you know, our politics gets worked out. We, we bring these into the essence of what it means to be a Christian. You know, you have to do this rather than realizing that this is, as the Reformers called, more the adiaphora. Uh, these are matters in which people will disagree uh, before the Lord. So, those are the categories. Uh, what is the call? The call, and, and I find this so challenging, uh, the call is, think of the uh, think of the inclusio. The call is to welcome uh, or to accept, receive, depending on your translation. The actual word is proslambano in Greek. It means more than just simply to accept people in the sense of acquiescing in their existence, even in their right to belong, uh, more even than to receive or accept into one society home, circle, or acquaintance. So he's saying uh, it means more than that. I'm quoting from John Stott here. It means to welcome into one's fellowship and into one's heart. It implies warmth and kindness of genuine love. So what, what is the call? The call is uh, with those who are within your body, who are different than you, they're seeing this important issue differently than you. The call is not to tribalism. Uh, the call is, you know, not to make sure that you're surrounded with people who think like you. The call is to welcome uh, in a real sense of warmth and hospitality those who are different than you. Uh, to to really believe the gospel, this is always the invitation, to, to believe the invitation, first of all, that, that you are loved and accepted, and that even if you're wrong on this particular issue, God is absolutely delighted and ravished with you in Jesus Christ. So believing that, you can extend this type of warmth and hospitality that says the same thing to this person who you disagree with on this issue. You can extend that same sort of love, welcome, acceptance uh, to that person. It's a, it's a high call, and it really actually, I, I think, gets even higher than that when you look at 15.1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And I don't know how you read that. Um, it, you know, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. It kind of gives you that sense of tolerance, like, you know, we'll, we'll put up with them, we'll, we'll bear with. They're not quite right here, but, you know, God love them. Uh, we'll love them too. We'll, we'll put up with them. But that's actually not what the text is saying. Uh, the text is saying we who are strong have an obligation to bear 
the failings of the week. With is not in the original, uh, is not in the uh, original. Uh, and, and so when it says we have an obligation to bear the burdens or the failings of the week, it's saying something akin to what we would see in Galatians 6, where, where Paul says, carry one another's burdens, bear one another's burdens, or what Paul said about Jesus, where he bore our sins on the cross. Do you see, do you see the, the level that the call is going to here? Uh, it, it's not just that we sort of accept and put up with people who see things differently than we do. We are called to enter into their moment, uh, maybe even their awkwardness, maybe even their flat-out wrongness, uh, and we are to allow that to, to mark us in some way that helps them. We are to bear with them in that way. i just give you a small story. I, you know, this is one of those preacher's stories, uh, but I think it helps us here. Uh, Bill, wild-haired, wardrobe for college, jeans, t-shirt with holes in it. Uh, he recently became a believer uh, while attending a Bible study in college, and he's never been to church, he's looking around for a church. There's a church near the college campus that is a very conservative, sort of formal church. He walks in there, he can't find a seat because they're not social distancing, it's not pandemic time, uh, it, it's packed, so he just kind of keeps walking up to the front, and he sits down right on the floor. And, you know, everybody's been there their whole life, and they're just sort of looking around, feeling really uncomfortable because what's this going to be like? This guy doesn't have shoes on, he's not dressed appropriately, all of that. A guy from the back, he's a well-known, well-respected elder in the church, he's got his three-piece suit on, he's in his 80s, he's walking with a cane, and he starts down the aisle, and people are like poised, like, okay, this is... This is going to be drama in church on, on November 1st. And uh, as he gets up to the front, he puts his cane on the ground, and with great difficulty, uh, he gets and he sits down next to Bill. He welcomes him. He receives him. He bears all the awkwardness of that moment along with him in order to communicate to the, the people around the, the gospel. You know, what it means to be welcomed in that moment. And the pastor very wisely said, I'm about to preach a sermon here. None of you will ever remember what I say. But you're always going to remember what just happened right here. And I think that's part of the invitation here is that when Paul is pressing into this Roman church and when Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is pressing into us, he's saying, you have an opportunity a lot more, with your, a lot more than with your words and with your arguments, with your precision, with all of the things that we so love to do. You know, we love to be right at least I do, uh, you have an opportunity a lot more with those things when you set aside your own rightness in order to bear the failings of another 
in order to welcome and receive them as Christ has welcomed and received you. You know, a lot of it does come down to this issue of how we hold our rightness. Uh, and I've been so grateful. I mean, a couple of the people that have really influenced me, uh, Francis Schaeffer, Jack Miller, uh, they, they both said something very similar. They said, beware of me when I am right. Uh, Schaefer goes on to say, you know, there, there's a way of being right in which you can be all wrong. Uh, you, you, can, you, can, you can see it. You can penetrate it. Your analysis can be dead on theologically, uh, culturally, all of these things. But if we do not hold it in a way that welcomes and bears the failings of another, we can be just as wrong as if we didn't see uh, the correct truth at all. Uh, and that's what Paul is getting at here. Uh, and, and notice, uh, just one more thing here, sort of in the call. Uh, there is a, a primary call here, and then there's a, a broader call. Primary call is to the family. Verse 10 uh, it talks about, why do you judge your brother? You know, Paul uses the language of family here. He wants to emphasize that we're, we're part of the same family. You know, in other places, he talks about you're all one body. So why is it that, that we want to fight and disagree? And why is it that we want to elevate ourselves and come down off the top rope and slam them down? Why do we want to do those things to our, our brother? But then notice in 15.2, he says to, to hold these same attitudes with our neighbor. Uh, so it's not only the people in you know, church, in the fellowship of Christ that we are to welcome, but it's also to the broader community. And of course, this fits in what Paul has been saying in 12, uh, all of the different things he's been talking about with regards to neighbor. So there is a high call here. Uh, to welcome, to bear uh, for those who are inside and those who are also outside of the church. So the question then always is, is how are we going to do this? What, what needs to be, you know, they talk about core strength, right? And you've, you've got to strengthen your core, otherwise your kinetic chain gets all off. And, uh, you know, even I was talking with a brother here who's been dealing with a foot issue, and because the foot issue uh, caused their knee issue to have an issue. Uh, and, and so if we don't have our core right, if we don't have the core strength, uh, we're going to cause all kinds of different problems. But Paul gives us what I think are some good core principles here throughout this text. One of them you find in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 14. Here Paul says, um, the one who observes the day observes it in honor in the Lord. The one who eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. We belong to the Lord's. And everything in this world belongs to the Lord. So, you know, as we come to some of these issues, particularly of culture and tradition and, you know, some of the different uh, aspects, if we can acknowledge that we belong to the Lord and that the, all of creation belongs to the Lord, it just really frees us up uh, in so many ways. Uh, one of the things that Paul was saying from the very beginning of the book 
is a, a symptom of people who are rebelling against God, who will not receive God as their Savior, is that they do not give thanks. Uh, Romans 1.21, they neither recognize God nor gave thanks to Him. And, and, and this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, realize that everything that you have in your life is given to you from the Lord. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, whether you live, whether you die, it's all of the Lord's. And when we have that kind of humble, receiving, thankful attitude, it changes how we see other people. Uh, if, if we live the opposite of that, not thankful, if we live presumptuous or whatever, then it's so much easier to be hard on people and to be negative with people. But when, when we are open and we are giving thanks, um, yeah, you know, I think about that even with our country. Uh, whatever happens November 3rd, we have all sorts of things to give thanks for. Uh, I mean, we can focus on what we don't have. We can focus on the things that concern us. We can focus on all of those things. But if we start with thanksgiving, uh, if we start with that, it's just going to shape how we, how we see our lives and how we experience it. And then verse 15, or chapter 15, uh, verses 5 and 6 uh, Paul takes this thanksgiving one step further, and he says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together with one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not only an attitude of personal thanks, but there is a practice of corporate thanksgiving that shapes corporate worship that shapes how it is that, that we treat those around us. I mean, this is one of the reasons why it's so crucial. Now, for those of you who may be listening online, I, I am not talking about during pandemic times, but this is why it's so important that we have the fellowship of believers and that we, we come together uh, that we, we engage in a body where we have people that are different than we are. They're older than we are. They're younger than we are. That gives them a perspective. They, they have a different political persuasion or they're different issues that connect them. It's so important uh, that we come together. And, and Paul is saying, like, this is, this is central. This is what's going to keep you together. It's, with, it's when you, with one voice... You come together and worship God uh, because there is going to be a unity there that is stronger than, than the divisions or the diversity that you face. There is a unity there, and I know that you have experienced this before. You know, it, it's amazing to me how you can be around the world, and I've had lots of different experiences with this, uh, different customs, different folks, and, and, and you, you start singing a song that praises the Lord, and, and you are brought together. I mean, all of those differences that you have, uh, all of those differences that are very real and not, not, and not unimportant, but, but they're, they're given a, they're given a, a framework uh, of praising the Lord. And the final thing, of course, is just recognizing the truths of the gospel. Verse 7 of chapter 15, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
You know, we who are strong ought to bear with the weak. Uh, when, When Paul says that in verse 7, recognize that he is making a negative evaluation of your discipleship. He is saying you were weak and you needed somebody to welcome you. You needed somebody to bear your failings. You needed somebody to fill in the gaps that you couldn't do on your own. And that is exactly what Jesus did as he went to the cross. He bore in his body our sin on the tree in order that we might be given the robes of righteousness. And that is what we celebrate as we come to the table. We come to a table which we are welcome. We, the weak, are welcomed by Jesus the strong in order that we, through our weakness, might become strong and welcome others. You know, there's, there's a beautiful gospel sort of weaving here, uh, and, and that's why Paul says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, you know, when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, there, there's a mystery here that uh, invites us to connect into the gospel as it's given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what gives us hope. I, I know we need hope day in and day out. Um, here's how one writer puts it. Hope has been pretty hard to come by this year, but God reminds us of our ultimate destination Having hope in the eventual full realization of the kingdom of God, it doesn't take away our sorrow, our grief, our weakness uh, in this present time, but it becomes sort of a comrade. It takes our hand and it leads us towards what is true. Yes, we've lost much uh, in this year, in our lives, and we will continue to experience loss, but we've also received good things. And we will continue to receive good things. In Christ, we receive God's presence, His comfort, His love, His grace, His mercy. We receive the ability to empathize and sympathize with others who are where we have been or where we are now. We, sh- we receive the assurance that this place where we are right now is not our final stop. And as we come to the table, we celebrate Christ bearing our weaknesses, our failings, in order that He might give us strength. And we look through our present moment to the time when we will be welcomed for all eternity in the presence of the Lord. And this is what gives us hope, that, that comrade that comes alongside of us in our weakness and continues to bring us back to the gospel. So I would invite you, those of you who are members of Christ Church, to take your packets uh, that you have. If you haven't received any, just raise your hand and uh, we can get you around one quickly. Uh, And let me remind you that this is the grace of Christ, uh, His body broken for us. This is Him bearing our weaknesses on the cross. The night in which he was betrayed, the Lord took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after the supper, our Lord took the cup, and giving thanks again, he, uh, he poured it out, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, given for, uh, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes again. Will you pray with me now as we set aside these elements for the Lord's work? Father, we thank you for the table. We thank you for its uh, significance and meaning in our lives, especially for what it means for us today, uh, that the work is finished, that there is nothing that we can add to it, that our rightness or our wrongness uh, on certain issues of adiaphora, they, they do not add or detract at all from the way that you see us. You see us through the finished work of your Son. We say thank you, Lord. Uh, we worship you. Uh, and we ask that you would help us as we seek to live this life of, of bearing uh, of welcome with those who are strong and weak within our body. Lord, we pray for those who do not know you in this way as their Lord and Savior, who have not felt that welcome. We ask that this might be a day that they know you and recognize you. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. On the night in which he, he was betrayed, our Lord took the bread and breaking it, he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. Take and eat, remember and believe. And in the same way after the supper, our Lord took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. David said, I lift high the cup of salvation before the Lord. Take and drink and may your souls uh, be encouraged. Oh Lord God, we are so grateful and so thankful that you, feed, that, that you feed us from your table, that you remind us that you have welcomed us into the very fellowship of the Trinity. Uh, Lord, we pray that that would be uh, the word that we need to hear today, that it would humble us so, uh, and that it would equip us to go out and to be the, the kind of community that you have called us to be in Romans 14 and Romans 15. Lord, we know we need your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence is promised. Just as sure as the bread that we ate was real and the cup that we drank was real, so real is the promised presence of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would send us out now into the week. In Jesus' name, amen.